But our scripture this morning, our scripture comes from Psalm chapter 63. And I'm going to start by reading that together. So Psalm chapter 63, there's some Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you there, or the words will be up on the screen. But Psalm chapter 63, we'll be in together. This is what it says. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. You're familiar with the characters Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, right? They're old characters, but they've been recently uh, re- reinterpreted in more recent movies. But there's a story about Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson going camping together. And they went out into the, into the woods and they had a good meal and they laid down for the night to go to sleep. And after a few hours, Sherlock Holmes woke up. And he looked around and he nudged his, his friend there, Dr. Watson. He nudged him awake and he said, Watson, look up. What do you see? And Dr. Watson said, I see an endless panorama of stars. And Sherlock Holmes says, what, did, what does that tell you? And Dr. Watson paused for a moment and he said, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I believe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. And Dr. Watson turned to Sherlock Holmes and said, well, what does it tell you? Sherlock Holmes looked up, thought for a moment, and he said, someone has stolen our tent. I tell that story for two reasons. One, I think it's funny, and I've been trying to use words like astrologically and horologically more in my vocabulary. And two, two, uh, it gets us thinking about being outside and away from the comforts of home. And the reason I want us to think about being outside and away from the comforts of home is because when David writes these words in Psalm 63, that's exactly where he is. Outside, away from the comforts 
of home. In fact, just as we get started here, the thing I want us to notice and focus on in this passage isn't necessarily the verses themselves, but the note that comes right at the beginning of the psalm. Did you hear it when we read it? There's a note that it says, and it says, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of what? Judah. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of of Judah. And that little note, that little note that's at the very beginning of this psalm is so important for us to be able to understand what David is writing here. We cannot understand what David is writing unless we understand exactly from where David is writing it. So David is standing in the wilderness of Judah. And this is exactly what the wilderness of Judah looks like. This is where David is when he's writing this psalm. And there's a couple of times in David's life where he's in the wilderness of Judah. But most likely the reason that he's in the wilderness of Judah when he writes these words is that he has been forced out into the wilderness because someone very close to him is trying to steal his throne. David is king. He's king over all of Israel. His kingdom is established in the city of Jerusalem. And his son Absalom his own child, becomes upset. There's a number of things that happen in David's family. Becomes upset, and Absalom decides that he is going to steal the throne from his father, David. And what happens is that Absalom is able to get together a group of people, and it gets to the point that there are enough people within the city of Jerusalem that are on Absalom's side that David fears for his life, and so he and a few people that are loyal to him, they escape out into the wilderness of Judah. And so we get this little note. A psalm of David, a song that he's written while he's out in the wilderness of Judah. And when he's out in the wilderness, it's not a pleasurable experience. In fact, if you look back, if you were to look back at 2 Samuel chapter 15 and 16, the Bible talks about this whole uprising with David's son Absalom and how he's trying to steal the throne and take it away from his father. And when David is out in the wilderness, when he's out in this place, the Bible describes David as being barefoot, weeping, and his head covered in ashes. And covering your head in ashes would be a sign of extreme Morning. So here David is. David's getting ready to write this psalm. And he is out in the desert because his son has put him there. And he is in a place of extreme mourning. He's barefoot. He's weeping. His head is covered in ashes. In fact, the text says, the Bible says, that the people that are with David have covered their heads in ashes because they are weeping and mourning alongside of him. David is in, is in a difficult place when he writes these words. David is out in the wilderness. And what I want us to think about this morning is I don't know if you're an outdoorsy type of person. If you're the kind of person that when it's time for vacation, you would just want to go and sleep under the stars and be out of a tent, in a tent. I know we have some of those people in the room. And then, I don't know, or, or you might be the kind of person that, that would, you know, really roughing it is a motel where the door faces the street and not a hallway. That's really, really, that's camping uh, to you. And I don't know where on the spectrum you fall, but no matter where you fall on the spectrum, whether you love being outdoors or whether you'd rather, you know, be on a res- in a resort, wherever that, 
you are on that spectrum. I bet all of us in this room know what it's like to be in the wilderness. And you may say uh, to me, you know, I've never been in that sort of situation. I've never been out in the wilderness. I've never been in a survival situation. And probably uh, most of us in this room have not. But I bet all of us know what it's like to be out in the wilderness. We know what it's like, don't we? To be in a place where we're lost, alone, depressed, suffering, weeping. We've struggled through uh, we've struggled through things at the office. We've struggled through marriage and family situations. We've wondered how we're going to pay the bills. We've battled depression. We've walked through illness. We know what it's like to be in those places where we are lost and alone. And we're kind of wondering where God is in all of it. And so even if we've never been physically in the wilderness, even if you've never been in a survival situation, even if you've never been here in this place, I bet all of us in this room know what it's like to be in the wilderness. You know, there's all these reality shows on television now, and some of them are real and some of them are very fake, but they all tend to show what you would do if you were stuck in a survival situation. So you could watch Survivor Man, you could watch Bear Grylls, you could watch Dual Survival, and there's all sorts of ones that I don't even know about that are out there right now where they put people in certain situations. They pretend that their car has broken down or that, that they've been lost out in the woods while they're hiking, and then they have, have to find their way out. And the, the point of the show is entertainment, but it's also to show different survival techniques, to give you what is a blueprint on how to survive. And no matter whether we're in the physical wilderness or we're in the kind of wilderness that we're talking about this morning, that all of us know how to be in, the big thing that we need is we need a blueprint for how to survive. That's the question that comes. When we're stuck in the wilderness, the biggest question that we have is how am I going to survive this? When you're in that place where you're just lost, and you have no idea how you're going to come out of it. We've all been there. Battling, struggling, questioning, doubting, tempted. When we're in those places, it's just like being in the physical wilderness. What we need to know, the question we need to ask ourselves and need to answer is, how in the world are we supposed to survive that place? How are we going to survive? What is the blueprint that we can have? What is the blueprint to be ready to survive those places? And this morning in Psalm 63, I believe that David gives us that blueprint. And that's what I want us to look at together. We have that question. How are we supposed to survive those places? Maybe you're in that place this morning. And you're asking yourself, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to survive this? How am I going to walk through this? David in this psalm gives us a blueprint on just exactly how we can do that. You see, here's what happens in the wilderness. The biggest danger of the wilderness is that being in the wilderness makes us extremely vulnerable, doesn't it? When we're in that place, 
lost, depressed, lonely, we are vulnerable. We're physically vulnerable. In fact, David even mentions that, right? In the psalm, in, the, in Psalm 63, he says, God, you are my God earnestly. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David talks about being thirsty. He talks about being hungry. He talks about being in this wilderness where there is no, nothing to sustain him, no food and no water. And when we're in the wilderness, when we're in that place, we're physically vulnerable. One of the survival shows that I used to like to watch is uh, one called Survivor Man. It was on the Science Channel and it was on the Discovery Channel. I said before, they could pretty much put anything on the Discovery Channel and I would watch it. I love the Discovery Channel. But Survivor Man was hosted by a man named Les Stroud. And Les Stroud uh, would do something that other reality shows don't do when it comes to survival. It was really just him and his own cameras for seven days out in the wilderness. And sometimes he would be in the snow, and sometimes he would be in the extreme heat, sometimes he would be in the rainforest, but he would take his cameras and his camera gear, and he would go, and they would drop them off, and they wouldn't pick them up for seven days. And it was his job to find food, and find water, and find shelter, and not only that, but he videotaped the entire thing so that he would have a show. After three seasons of doing that show, 25 episodes Les Stroud, it was a very successful show, just quit. And it was a little bit surprising. And when they interviewed him and asked him why he was quitting, the reason he gave is because the extreme physical pressure that it put on his body to be left alone in the wilderness. He said, after doing it 25 times for 25 weeks, if I continue to do this, I will eventually die a very early death. I can't continue to put this physical pressure on my body. And even when we're not in the physical wilderness, even when we're in those places that we've talked about, we are physically vulnerable. We're not just physically vulnerable. David's physically vulnerable in the wilderness. So are we. But we are emotionally vulnerable as well. We're physically vulnerable and we're emotionally vulnerable. Think about David. Think about David. He is out in the wilderness, and he can't control at all the reason that he's there. The reason that he is out there is because someone else has risen up against him, gotten a band of people together, and driven him out of his own palace in his kingdom. And he is out in the wilderness, and he is out of control. It's not his doing. It's not his choice. Someone else has chosen this for him. And so David is out there because circumstances around him have driven him out in the wilderness. And isn't it true for us that when we end up in these places, it is often because of circumstances that are out of our control, isn't it? We don't choose to be there, but things happen. We lose someone close to us. We struggle with loneliness. We lose our job and we can't pay our bills. It's not our choice to be there. But circumstances change around us and they force us into these places. David, he doesn't control the circumstances. And the other thing is it just doesn't even make sense to him. I mean, here he is weeping. He's the king. 
He's supposed to be the one in charge. He's the one that's supposed to be on the throne. And yet, he's the one that's lost in the wilderness, barefoot, weeping, head covered in ashes, trying to make sense of it all. It doesn't make sense. And I think it's like that for us too. We find ourselves in those places and we can't even make sense of it. We're not sure why we're there. We're not sure how it happened. It doesn't seem right. In fact, sometimes we find ourselves in those wilderness experiences and we say to ourselves, it doesn't make sense. I have so much going for me. I have so much to be thankful for. I have so much that is good in life. I have so much that I have been blessed with. So why am I in this place? That's how it is. We're physically, it's, it's a physically vulnerable place. It's an emotionally vulnerable place. But the third thing that's true about the wilderness that makes it so dangerous is the wilderness is a spiritually vulnerable place. The wilderness is where we really have it out with God, isn't it? When we're in those places, the wilderness is when we start to question. The wilderness is where we start to doubt. The wilderness is where we are tempted to go someplace else. The wilderness is that place where we, us, and God wrestle and battle and struggle. The wilderness is that place where the circumstances around us cause us to wonder and question if God really is who we thought he was or if God really is who he says he is. The wilderness is a dangerous place. Because it leaves us physically, emotionally, and spiritually vulnerable. And so when we're in that place, how in the world is it that we are to survive? How do we get through? How do we get to the other side? Well, David does something interesting in this psalm. David does something that I think is almost counterintuitive. David is in this place of extreme physical, emotional, and spiritual vulnerability. And he has to take a a pen in his hand and paper and put how he's feeling down into words. And David, in the midst of this place, in the midst of the wilderness, does something very surprising David, when it's time to write and talk about what he's feeling, express what he's walking through, chooses to worship God. Doesn't talk about the situation. Doesn't talk about where he's at. Doesn't ask God to get him out of it. David chooses to worship God. These are the phrases that he uses. My lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands. My soul is is satisfied. I remember you. I meditate on you. I will sing for joy and I will rejoice. You see, the wilderness is, is a place where we battle with God, where we are physically and emotionally and spiritually vulnerable. And when David is in that place, what David chooses to do is David chooses to worship God. And we wonder to ourselves, how is it that he could possibly do that? That can't be his first instinct. How is it that David moves to worship? 
How is it that David can say things like his soul is satisfied and he earnestly seeks God after the God who gave him his throne allowed his son to rise up against him and force him out into the desert? How is it that that David's reaction to all of that is to turn around and give God honor and glory and to worship him? Well, there's two reasons why David does that, and they're right here in the psalm. And the first reason that he does that is that David is able to look at his past experiences with God. When David is out in the wilderness and he's in that place, David goes back and he starts to remember his past experiences with God. And he says to God, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. And David is saying in this psalm, God, I know who you are. In spite of everything that I'm dealing with around me, in spite of this place that I'm in, in spite of this dry land, this deserted land, this lonely, difficult, hard place, this place where I'm vulnerable, this place of struggle, in spite of all of that, God, I know who you are. I have experienced you. I have beheld you. I know who it is that you are. And if you have followed God for any amount of time, you have these kind of stories in your life. You have places where God has come through. You have that story of how God came and met you and you began to follow him. And what David is doing in the wilderness is he's falling back on those times. Remembering in the past what God has done. We live in a culture that that often does not seem concerned at all about the past. We like to think about what's next and moving forward. And everything changes so quickly. And we go and we go and we go. And sometimes we take our present circumstances as ultimate reality and we forget what God has done in the past. And David, the first thing that he does is he remembers what God has done in the past for him. That he has experienced God, that he knows God. You know, I think about this place that we're sitting right now. This building that we're in right now. And I think about the people who met in this building um, for years and faithfully served and prayed. And I think about how for a number of years, uh, Pastor Rick, who's our senior pastor in Burlington, and myself, we said to ourselves, does God want us to to plant a church? Does God want us to start something new? We feel like he does, but we don't know what it's going to look like. And then one day we got a phone call. Four years after we started asking that question, we got a phone call. And I'll paraphrase. Someone said, hey, do you want free property in Belmont? And that doesn't happen that often. I don't know if you're aware of property values in the, in the town of Belmont. It's pretty expensive to be here. And so we feel like God wants us to do something. Someone calls and says, hey, do you want a, a building? And we said, well, we'll have to do some renovations. And God provided everything that we needed in miraculous ways to do the work that he had called us to do. So here's what's going to happen. I know that down the road there are going to be times when ministry is difficult and things are difficult in this place. 
I know that there are going to be times when we're, we're wondering what God is doing it, doing and why he's doing it. I know that we're doing ministry at a challenging part of the country. This is not an easy place to preach the gospel and to show up to church and to do the work that God is calling us to do. This is a difficult place to do that. And I know that there are going to be times when it is hard to do the work of God in this place. It's hard for us as the body of Christ to do the work that God is calling us to do. But here's what we'll remember. We will always remember no matter how difficult it gets all that God has done to provide this place where we are meeting and worshiping him we can always fall back on that story there is no doubt that God did a miraculous work to provide and to provide a new space where we can come together and worship and glorify him and so no matter what happens in the future and no matter how difficult it might get we can always fall back on what God has done in the past and that is exactly what God what David is doing here And you have places in your life where it is difficult and it is a struggle, but God has done something in your life in the past. And no matter how difficult it is today, I would encourage you to remember who God is and what he has done on your behalf and the story that you have of his goodness. And remember that in the wilderness. So David relies on his past experience with God to confirm his present convictions about God, even in the middle of his circumstances. This is what David does. The first thing that he does is he remembers his past experience with God, and the second thing that he does is he allows that past experience to inform his present convictions about God in spite of his circumstances. There's two things that David says in this psalm. The first thing that he says is, your love is better than life. You know, today is Valentine's Day and we're talking about love. And what is the kind of love that is better than life? What is the kind of love that David is saying is worth dying for? What is that love that God has for us that David says is better than his life? That he's saying, even as I'm out in the wilderness, if I die here, it is worth it because of the God who I know and the God that I love. What does that love look like? Well, it's a love that goes far beyond candy and flowers and everything else that we're doing today. It's a love, it's God's covenantal love. The Hebrew word is hesed. It's God's covenantal love. And what covenantal love means is that God's love never changes in spite of circumstance. If you've read through the Old Testament, you know that God has promised his love to people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he made covenants with Noah and with David and with Moses. And when God makes a covenant with his people, when God makes a covenant with his people, it never changes regardless of circumstances. God's love is always there even if we don't love him back. Even if we don't serve him back. His love doesn't change. We're used to in many ways in our society, we, what we see a lot is more contractual love. I'll love you if you love me. I'll take care of you if you take care of me. I'll do what you want me to do if you do what I want you to do. But God's love is not a contractual love. It is covenantal love. God says, I love you no matter what. And David says, I've experienced God in the past, and because of that experience, I know that God's love is real, even in the midst of the wilderness, even in this place, God's love is real. And so even if I die out here, I will still worship you, because it's your love that satisfies me. And the second thing that David says is, he says, first, I'm convinced that your love is better than life, even in the wilderness. And the second thing he says in this psalm is, God, you are my 
help. David allows his past experience with God, I've beheld you in the sanctuary, to inform his present convictions about God, that God's love is better than life, and that God is his help. This is David. This is David who fought off the lion and the bear with his bare hands. This is David who beat Goliath when no one thought it was possible. David knows that God is his help. And so even though he's in the wilderness and his son is pursuing him and there are, there are, are military men who are searching for him so that they might kill him and get him off the throne, David is able to say, God, your love is better than life and you are my help. And so David, David praises God in the middle of the wilderness and allows his past experience with God to inform his present convictions about God. You know, the wilderness is a part of life. It just is. The wilderness is a part of any journey with God, too. In fact, in many ways, God does his best work in the wilderness. Talk to anyone who's followed God for a long period of time. Ask them when God did the best work in their lives. They'll tell you it was when they were struggling, not when things were easy. They'll tell you when they were walking through the difficult times of life, not the great times, that God did his best work And they begin to understand who he is and how he works and how deep his love is and how deep his forgiveness goes and how deep and and great his grace is. That comes not in the great parts of life. That comes when we walk through the difficult wilderness parts of life. I think often we, we ask ourselves, how do I avoid the wilderness? What can I do in my life to avoid it at all costs? I think we would be wise to say to ourselves, the wilderness is a part of our journey no matter what. We will find ourselves there. We will be there. And so the question is not, how do I avoid it? The question is, when I'm there, how do I survive it? How do I get through it? How do I come out on the other side closer to God and not further away? And what David knows is that even when circumstances change in life, the truth of who God is remains. No matter where you find yourself, no matter how life's circumstances change, you didn't decide it, you didn't do it, someone else did it to you, circumstances around you changed, the company decided to lay people off, someone in your family decided to leave, you didn't cause it, you didn't make it happen, you lost someone close to you, you didn't cause it to happen, but you're there anyway. The, quest, the truth is, is that even when circumstances change, God's truth remains. God is who he is. And you know who knew this for sure is Jesus Christ himself. There was a point where Jesus found himself in the wilderness. It's right there in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of those books talk about this time when Jesus was in the wilderness. He was there for 40 days. And you know what happened to Jesus when he he was in the wilderness? He was physically vulnerable, he was emotionally vulnerable, and he was spiritually vulnerable when he was out in the wilderness. He was out there for 40 days with no food. And he was vulnerable. And guess who showed up in that place? The enemy showed up in that place because he knew. 
If he was going to get Jesus to walk away from this whole thing that he was here for, if he was going to get him to walk away from God and everything else, the place to try and get him was when he was in the wilderness, when he was most vulnerable. And three times Satan came and tried to tempt Jesus, and basically every time the devil said to him, take your allegiance away from God and give it to me. And do you remember what Jesus did when he was in that place? Every time that, that, the, that the enemy tried to tempt him, every time the enemy tried to get him to switch his allegiance, Jesus quoted the Bible right back at him. Jesus quoted truth because he knew just because circumstances had changed and he was in a vulnerable place and he was hungry and he was tired and he was physically, emotionally, and spiritually vulnerable, the truth about who God is had not changed and the God who he was with in heaven before he came to this earth is the same God who was there now and even though it was a difficult time and a difficult place he wasn't about to turn away because circumstances don't change who God is and this morning maybe you're in that place maybe you're grieving maybe you're upset maybe you're tired maybe you're just lost You've lost a job or a loved one. Your marriage is hanging on by a thread and people don't even know it. Your family is walking through a difficult time. Let me remind you today that even in those circumstances, the truth about who God is does not change. His love is better than life. He is your help. Hang on to him. And maybe you're not in that place today. Maybe things are good. You're not in the wilderness today. Let me encourage you to be doing what David did when he wasn't in the wilderness. Worshiping God and spending time in his presence. Because the only reason David was able to go out in the wilderness and say, I know who you are, is because he spent time with God before he was out there. So if today life is good, don't uh, become careless. Spend time with God getting to know who he is. If you don't pursue him today, then how will you survive then? When we're out in the wilderness, it is inevitably going to become a spiritual battle. The wilderness is where we're tempted, just like Jesus was. The wilderness is where we question. The wilderness is where our allegiance is tested. And let me remind you today that even when you're in that place, God is who he is. And when your circumstances change, it doesn't change who God is. He's still the God who loves. He is still the God who helps. Maybe you're in that place this morning. Maybe you're right there in the middle of the wilderness. And I just want to encourage you today to remember who God is. I'm going to invite our worship team uh, forward as we prepare to close. You know, I I was talking to someone this week. I was talking to someone this week who I just... I happen to know is they're in the wilderness. 
Whatever the wilderness looks like, they are there. And they said to me, you know, the other day, I picked up my Bible and I couldn't even open it. It took me minute after minute after minute of just sitting there and I'm so in the wilderness, so hurt, so lonely, so depressed, life is so difficult. I had the Bible and I knew I needed to open it and I knew I needed to read it. I just couldn't even physically bring myself to do it. And they said, what normally takes me just a shorter period of time to do, do my readings that I normally do in the Bible, took me over three hours in that place. But they did it anyway. Don't allow the wilderness to take you away from the truth of God and who He is. It's more difficult in the wilderness. What takes you minutes before takes you three hours. What came so easy before is so difficult now. Where maybe you're used to praying and listening to to music or whatever it is that you do to spend time in God's presence. And now it takes so much more effort to get to that place. It's harder in the wilderness. You're vulnerable in the wilderness. But don't allow those changing circumstances to take you away from what is right and what is true. Don't allow the circumstances to take you away from the fact that God loves you and that love is better than life and that he is your help in that place. If you would just bow your head and close your eyes. I hope that you'll take some time this morning as we close. If you're not in the wilderness right now and things are good, I hope that you'll take some time and just spend some time with God and ask Him to prepare you. Because it's coming. It's a part of life. It's a part of the journey. That you would spend some time this morning asking God that He would prepare you and strengthen you so that when you're in that vulnerable place, you do not walk away, you do not stray. That you remember His love. And if you're in the wilderness this morning, I hope that you'll take this time and remember that God is who he says he is, that God is your help, that God loves you, that the God that you've experienced in the past in your life is the same God who is with you now, even when it's difficult. And that this morning you'll cry out to him. You know, I don't don't often do this This morning, if that's you and you are in that place, everyone's head is bowed, everyone's eyes are closed. It's not why I would do this, but I want to remember you in prayer. I think it's a powerful thing just to acknowledge that we're there. And so as I close in prayer, as we, as we think about this and pray about this and come before God, if you would say, yeah, that's me, I'm there right now. If you'd be willing just to raise your hand, I could pray for you. A few of you are in that place this morning. God, I pray for those 
who are in the wilderness today. Who feel lost and alone and physically drained and emotionally drained and spiritually drained. God, I pray that they would find rest and comfort and peace in who you are. God, I pray that the hope that comes through the Savior, Jesus Christ, who faced temptation in the wilderness and overcame, that he might die on the cross for our sins and be raised again, that the hope and the mercy and the grace and the empowerment that comes through him will, uh, will, it will fill us up, that we might be able to love you and worship you and follow you even in the dry and dusty and lonely places. God, give us your strength.